From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, March 30th. A hoax phone call sent Moab schools into lockdown on Wednesday. It was one of over a dozen placed yesterday, affecting schools across Utah. The 13 calls for the schools that we were able to confirm do all come from the same individual who is a male individual. Hillary Kellner, communications director with the Utah Department of Public Safety. That agency is currently working with federal partners on an investigation into the calls. Kellner says yesterday's caller seems to have the same storyline throughout, which is um, that he's in the bathroom of one of these schools and there is an active shooter and that there are people that are wounded near him. What we have been able to find is that not only is it the same individual, but these are all coming from an IP address that is out of the country. And it, it definitely seems like an organized effort. Affected schools are located all over the state, including Ogden, Provo, Sevier, as well as Moab. Here, local law enforcement immediately responded to clear the schools. They say their district-wide search did not locate or identify any threats. In a press release, Moab City Police Chief Jared Garcia says he does not believe there is a current threat to students or the community related to this hoax. But he added the police department takes all reports of violence, quote, very seriously and says they are prepared to respond to any critical incident. Kellner emphasizes the same for law enforcement across the state. I think it's just important to remember that um, local agencies may have some different protocols in place, and their number one priority, and the number one priority for everybody, is public safety. Yesterday's hoax calls may be part of a larger nationwide trend. States from Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Colorado, and more have all reported hoaxes in recent weeks. The behavior is also known as swatting, a type of criminal harassment where individuals or groups falsely report a violent emergency situation. This ties up emergency resources and, in the case of hoax calls related to schools, puts stress on students, staff, and their families. Gun control advocacy group Everytown USA says there are long-term impacts on students living under the constant threat of school shootings. Sarah Bud Sharps is the senior director of research with Everytown USA. We're raising a generation of school kids that are shaped by our gun violence epidemic, you know, from the media coverage of actual shootings to their own schools being put in lockdown, you know, multiple times a month from nearby threats. And to this new situation with swatting, which is false alarms, but that trigger a real response. She says this is becoming a norm in their lives. Everytown USA is calling on schools and communities to recognize and address the long-term mental health impact on young people and their families who are threatened with gun violence. The impact is devastating uh, and long-lasting. It doesn't end at all. Uh, when a when a kid graduates from high school, et cetera. And the cost to us as a society is enormous, the human cost and also the financial cost uh, for people who are struggling uh, every day with fear, with anxiety, with depression, with PTSD, uh, with never knowing, you know, with parents putting their kids on a school bus and not knowing, you know, if they're going to come home safe uh, or alive. It's a it, it's having a devastating impact on our country. Um, I think, you know, the good news is that a lot of this is preventable. If we can 
uh, see our way to supporting the, the programs and the shifts and the behavioral changes in terms of, you know, storing our guns securely and the, you know, supporting of laws that, you know, research shows can, can really make a difference. Arches National Park will use a timed entry system again this tourist season. The Park Service says they've improved the system based on feedback from last year's pilot program. As KZMU's Emily Arnson reports, visitors will need a reservation beginning April 1st. Starting Saturday until the end of October, people will need to purchase tickets in advance to visit Arches. Reservations are required daily from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Tickets are the same price as the entrance fee, plus a $2 service charge. People with annual or lifetime park passes will still need to make reservations and pay the $2 service fee. Kate Thomas is a public affairs specialist with the Park Service. These reservations are hourly, and once you secure a reservation, you can enter at any time in that hour window. And you're also able to re-enter the park throughout the day. If you don't get a reservation in advance, there's a lot of options for you. So you can log on to recreation.gov every day, the day before at 6 p.m. And we do have some reservations available the night before your intended visit. This is the second year the park will use a timed entry system. Thomas says overall they had really positive feedback last year, but they are going to make some improvements. Our processing time was a little bit slow at the entrance booth. So what we did this year is we're making some improvements. We're no longer requiring photo ID, so that should speed things up. Overcrowding has been a huge problem at Arches in the past couple years. During the 2021 season, the park had to close the entrance gates over 100 times on days when the park had reached capacity. Thomas hopes a more controlled flow of people through the park will improve the visitor experience and help preserve the park. We want people to enjoy the parks, but we're also preserving them in perpetuity. So through this system, the idea is to distribute visitation throughout the day, throughout the season, so that folks can have improved experience and greater opportunity for all. For KZMU, I'm Emily Ernson. It can be hard to recycle on vacation, but just how bad are tourists at putting their waste in the right bin? The Environmental Protection Agency took this question to Telluride, Colorado, with a study that sorted through a week's worth of trash from a short-term rental building. Gavin McGough with our partners at KOTO reports on how the pursuit of better waste solutions for tourist towns comes at a grimy cost. Some four or five years ago, Virginia Till, a behavioral scientist working with the Environmental Protection Agency out of Denver, started to think about isolated mountain resort towns, short-term rental properties, and trash. She was curious, she says. How an influx of people affects waste. Um, It really hasn't been measured. I had been thinking on this over the years, and then an opportunity came up with my colleague at Office of Research and Development. And so we had some money, and we started phase one, which was baseline, to see how well do people recycle when they're on vacation, basically. When it came to choose a location for their ski vacation trash study, Till in the EPA landed at the Franz Klammer Lodge in Mountain Village. That was back in 2019. Condo units at the lodge produce about a ton of trash each day. During the week-long experiment, sorters combed through every bit of it. Their conclusion? 
Till says nearly three-quarters of what was thrown out could have been directed towards recycling or compost. Um, 75% of the materials from phase one had the potential for diversion from landfill if compost becomes an option. So it wasn't just the recyclables we looked at. We also looked at compostable materials. The study returned to the Franz Klammer Lodge to follow up four years later. They came to see if changes that Franz Klammer had made after the first phase were showing any improvement in levels of recycling. EcoAction Partners is working with the EPA to carry out the study. Speaking from the trash shed at the Franz Klammer, awesome. EcoAction's energy coordinator, Sean Hart, explains the question behind this second phase. Franz Klammer has done more education with their staff and also has, like, in each room, like, hey, please recycle and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so we're hoping to be able to measure that we'll see more recyclables in the directed recycling waste stream. And then, like, the trash will be more, more densely trashed, I guess. What does trash sorting actually entail? Pretty simple. Plastic gloves, black aprons, a large table set up at the center of the shed, and half a dozen sorters carefully picking through bags and bags and bags of garbage. Furnished with EPA funding, the position pays $30 an hour. Telluride resident and trash sorter for the week, Carl Cody explains the wide range of things they found. Everything from the mundane, you know, a lot of tissues, toiletries, um, food waste, all the way up to some pretty wild finds, ski gear, shopping tags, uh, clothing tags, um, cash in trash, uh, things that are usable, that that you absolutely could find a home for or continue to make use of, and, and yet here we are picking through it to throw it away. Um, I mean, you name it, at this point, we have probably found it. Sorter Ed Watkinson adds what's been most astonishing to him is simply the volume. It's not as dirty and nasty as I thought it was going to be, but it's not pleasant at all, and uh, we throw a lot of stuff away. Yeah, and this is just one hotel, one week's worth of trash at one hotel, and this is just one resort town. The shed is out behind the village core, and the March day is mellow and drippy. Sorters dissect bags of garbage into 22 different categories, covering various recyclables, compostables, textiles, and so on. Quite a few things just make a person scratch their head. A pile of ski bindings, a pair of goggles, brand new, an unopened jug of Vermont maple syrup. Cody adds sorting trash shows up close how unsustainable our existence can be. It's a, a good reminder of how much crap we get rid of and go through, and also just the amount of wealth that's around here. And just from a, a personal standpoint, to be able to see this, it, it's a good reminder for me to do my best to try and separate this kind of crap out. Um, you know, I, I don't know that we have the facilities or the ability around here to manage as much waste as we generate. Uh, it's an inevitable reality of, of the human existence, but at the same time, I feel like there's there's got to be a better way. Till says this is the first study looking specifically at short-term rental waste and how to improve levels of recycling amongst vacationers. So um, this unique research is really going to help, I think, with this type of lodging and also with resort areas. And then studies like this can really provide the community with insight into 
future programs that they might want to implement. Such programs could range from increasing educational materials in labeling to implementing municipal-wide composting. The findings will be published in journals once the data has been crunched. But one thing's already clear. Out behind the Franz Klammer, getting dirty in the name of science, and for 30 bucks an hour, it rings true. One condo's trash is another man's treasure. This is Gavin McGough. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, March 30th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.